We just celebrated the beginning of a new year, but what did last year look like? Was 2018 a good year or was it dreadful? Many of us judge our last year based on external things. Somehow this is the scale that decides whether or not the year was successful or not. These external things that define a good year could be the dream job, the completion of a degree, a marriage, a child, a new car, traveling the world, etc., etc. Since everyone's definition for a successful year might be different, let's just call it X. Somehow we came to believe that achieving X will define a year as successful. So when we enter into 2019, we make New Year's resolutions or set benchmarks that, that we should meet. Sometimes we believe, if I only get X, I will be more successful. My life with X will be so much more fulfilling. We believe we need X to be more fulfilled because that's the message we hear hundreds of times a day. Do you know in the States, we are exposed to about 5,000 advertisements a day? The majority of those ads base their marketing on making you believe that you need it because A, you don't have it and your life will be so much better with it and B, everyone else has it. The goal of ads is that you buy their product and most of the time they do that by making you believe that you will be happier and have a higher status once you get their product. Essentially, your life will be more fulfilling with what they are selling. Remember the old Axe spray deodorant advertisements? A man would spray himself with Axe and all of a sudden this wave of women would be all over him, right? Or remember those, uh, remember the new iPhone gold that came out a few years ago? The sales were off the charts because everyone wanted to show off that they got the new iPhone gold. And the majority of the world want iPhones and Apple products because that's popular. Even though there are other more advanced phones and technology out there on the market, iPhones and Apple products are cool. And that's because of the genius in their marketing. But the message of you need X for a more fulfilling life isn't only found in advertisements. I remember right before I left university and moved to Tijuana, a professor told me, you shouldn't leave because if you do, you will always be known as a college dropout which is kind of funny that that's the only thing that I remember learning in school. I also remember in elementary school, I was told by teachers to study hard because if you don't, you'll end up being a garbage man or flipping burgers at McDonald's. So it's not just advertisements and products that sell fulfillment or happiness. We also believe that in status or identity. And with status, we somehow believe that more fulfillment will come in the higher status that we achieve because higher status usually brings a bigger paycheck to buy more things or, or it brings more respect or power in the community. So we believe somehow that X brings fulfillment through products or through identity or status. So what I'm trying to say here is that I think it's hard to deny that a big part of our fulfillment is connected to external things and status. Somehow we think that we need external things to make us fulfilled. And if our fulfillment is based on external things, then the structure is deeply rooted in comparing and driven by what we lack. I don't feel fulfillment because I don't have X. I don't feel happy because I don't have X. I want to be like that person, so I need X. I need to achieve X. I need to go to school and get X degree. But does X really bring fulfillment? If it's the dream job, the new car, the new house, the vacation, the promotion, the degree, the moving to a new community, the marriage, did it really bring fulfillment? 
I guess the better question is how long did that fulfillment last? Because it wore, it wore off, right? Like it was amazing at first, right? But then the fulfillment or that high eventually faded and there was something else that you needed. I wonder if that's the reason why there is so much divorce. Because at the wedding, you said that your partner was the missing piece, that now you found completion. But after several years, what happened? Were you mistaken? Were you deceived? I wonder if, if that's the reason why there's so much depression, anxiety, and suicide in the States, which is well known for the nation that strives for the pursuit of happiness. Was the promise of fulfillment in achieving X just a deception? I don't know, but I believe the fulfillment in obtaining X won't ever last because it is based on a false equation to begin with. You cannot obtain interior fulfillment with exterior things. You can try, and some people spend their entire lives doing it. I wonder if that's why it's called the pursuit of happiness, something that you will always be in the pursuit of, but never really achieving. Jesus said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Okay, I'm going to go on a little rant here because I think it's necessary to deconstruct this passage before moving on. Jesus said, whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is not Jesus's invitation for you to get involved in organized religion. This is not Jesus's altar call for sinners to repeat a magical prayer that will get you into heaven. Losing your life for Jesus doesn't mean picking up a religious lifestyle in order to be saved. Because ultimately what you're doing is trying to save your life. And the only difference is you think it's okay because now you're doing it in Jesus's name. You are still trying to save your life. But now you're doing it through religious practices. By the way, I'm not anti-religion. I believe when done well, religious practices or disciplines can lead to transformation, liberation, and actually discovering fulfillment. But sometimes it is mistaken as a means for salvation. I've heard people say, you're not content because you're not praying enough. You keep falling because you don't spend enough time reading your Bible. If you just find a small group, if you just volunteer on a worship team, if you just do more for Jesus, if you just do X, you will have a more fulfilling life with Christ. So in many Christian circles, the X for a fulfilled life means religious activities. And another misconception is that we love to quote this verse and say that Jesus is speaking to the drug addicts, the thieves, the sexual immoral. It's about them. It's about those people who are doing those worldly things. It's not about me because I follow Jesus. I follow the rules. I go to church. I read the Bible. I don't swear. I don't drink. I, I'm respectful to everyone. I volunteer. I give. I go to missions. I do X. I do X. I do X, 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 X. Look at all these external things that I do to prove my identity in following Jesus. The doing of religious external things to be saved is the action that Jesus rebuked throughout his ministry. You see it over and over and over with his encounters with the Pharisees. Sometimes we think this passage was spoken to the sinners of the world who don't follow Jesus. But who was the original audience that Jesus was speaking to here? He was speaking to his disciples, the very ones who left everything to follow him, the ones who dropped their nets, which is a symbol of dropping their lives to follow Jesus. Jesus said this to his own disciples, the ones that go to church, who read their Bibles, that don't swear, that don't drink, that, that are respectful to everyone. Actually, these disciples drank and swore at times and were very disrespectful and sarcastic at other times. But Jesus said this to them because they were still in the pursuit of saving their lives, even when they were following Jesus. The disciples still didn't get it. They still thought that their purpose or fulfillment of following Jesus came by achieving X. 
Sometimes Christians say things like, God is calling me to do X. God, please help me get X. I really believe God wants me to do X. Sometimes I believe it's legit, but sometimes I believe it's masked behind, I need X to be more fulfilled. So God, it's your job to do that. Some believe that the verse, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Some believe that is a call to missions or ministry because moving to a foreign country for Jesus is like losing your life, right? Um, I don't, I don't believe so. I, I, because although moving across the ocean to do mission work might appear to be losing your life, I think sometimes it's quite the opposite. I think many times people do that to try and find their life or seek to have a more fulfilling life. Because to be honest, I think missions is so romanticized. So I'm on my second year as a, as a quote missionary in Malawi, and I was a missionary for four years in Mexico. And I get a lot of people who ask me for advice about missions. Sometimes I'm stoked for them, and sometimes I'm honestly disturbed. Because some believe that deep down missions is the X that leads to a more fulfilling life, which is not entirely true. And honestly, it's kind of disgusting if someone is going to use, quote, poor people or, quote, struggling nations as a means to have a more fulfilling life. Also, side note, those words, quote, poor people or, quote, struggling nations or, quote, loving the orphans, of which I hear a lot of people use over and over and over, those words are not okay and very, very deeply rooted in the white savior complex. So using certain words is just disrespectful. And using people who are suffering for your benefit is just disgusting. So going into missions in order to find fulfillment is not okay. But I think we're raised to believe that somehow doing that brings fulfillment. I mean, I once believed that. I once believed missions was this romantic life of fulfillment. But after a couple years in Mexico, I learned that the romantic life of missions isn't so sexy. The honeymoon stage is awesome and fulfilling, but after a few months, it fades. And I wonder, maybe that's why so many people go into full-time missions and only last a few months, because it didn't bring the fulfillment that they once believed it would. Sometimes Christians still feel lack of fulfillment and they think it's because they're not in full-time ministry or missions or that they're not doing enough for Jesus. But you see, that's fallacy because they're still trying to find inner fulfillment with the external, still trying to save their life by what they do. So when Jesus said, whoever loses their life for me will find it, I don't believe he's saying, give up your life, your profession and everything and find life in religious practices and working in full-time ministry or missions. Because again, Take note who Jesus was originally speaking to, the ones who left everything. And you know what's more striking about this passage is that Jesus said it right after he rebuked Peter and said, Satan, get behind me. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind of things of God, but the things of man. Peter was too concerned about external things, too concerned about things of man, and Jesus called him Satan. The moment that you feel a lack of something, or a lack in yourself, the moment you have an idea of, if I just get X, I will be more fulfilled. The moment you compare your life with someone else who has X, you, whether you follow Jesus or not, have the mindset on man and not of God. Because if your mind was really on things of God, you wouldn't lack fulfillment. Jesus said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Here's another misconception. Many think this means be sinless because the heavenly Father is sinless, which is kind of true, but there's so much more going on here. The word perfect that Jesus uses comes from the Greek word teleos, which means complete, having reached its end in perfection. In other words, fulfillment. 
I think living in complete perfection is much more than living without sin. I think it means an overflow of abundance, wholeness, that it's a state of being complete and fulfilled. The world around us is saying, you lack X and you'll be much better person if you just had X. But Jesus is saying, you lack absolutely nothing. In fact, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. That word abundance means to exceed expectations. That means whatever you think the fulfillment will be after you achieve X, the abundant life that Jesus promises will exceed that expectation of what you think life entails. It's not about achieving external things in order to be fulfilled. It's about becoming aware to the fulfillment that you already have internally. Therefore, whatever happens externally doesn't really matter because you're set. You have already made it. The fulfillment that you desire is already present within you right now if you choose to come aware to it. A mystic in the 1200s writes, O pure people who wander the world, amazed at the idols you see, what you are searching for out there, if you look within, you yourself are it. You are already perfect and fulfilled through Christ. Nothing can take that status away. Nothing can take that fulfillment away, no matter what happens, no matter what you do. The author of Roman writes, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, angels, or demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The X that you think you need is based on an illusion driven by comparisons and the lack and the fear and the anxiety and the stress and the status and etc, etc, etc. The things of man. Don't you understand? You lack nothing. You've already reached the end in perfection through Jesus. The equation that you're trying to solve for fulfillment is fallacy and deceitful. In Christ, you are fulfilled and perfect of which is driven by love. Therefore, the challenge isn't the pursuit of fulfillment. The challenge now is shifting your mindset to the awareness of fulfillment. And in that space, in that place, that is where creativity flows. That's where life flows. You go and you do and you be out of that place of fulfillment. So then your life now is just a journey of joy. We are told in Romans, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In the next episode, I'll talk more about this shift of the mind and the overflow of fulfillment.